I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello, Olga. Welcome to The Brand Therapist. I am so, so excited to have you. You are an amazing, incredible individual, and I can't wait for everybody to listen to your story. Before we get started, I just want to say thank you for being on my couch. This is a therapist session, not therapy session, but a brand therapy session, which you are an expert in, and I'm so excited to have you. So before we get started, I'm going to read your bio, and then we can start hearing from you and all your insights. So Olga Gutierrez de la Rosa is an award-winning and international recognized creative and brand executive with extensive experience in brand building, design innovation, visual communication, advertising, social and e-commerce platforms, retail architecture, publishing, editorial, UX design, and app development. For the past 13 years, she has been in the design and brand experience leader for Procter & Gamble's Global Prestige Beauty, Fragrances, and Hair Portfolios leading the brand experience design and visual communications of more than 32 global brands, including SK2, Dolce Gabbana, Hugo Boss, Alexander McQueen, Estella McCartney, Lacoste, Puma, Pantene, Head & Shoulders, Ozzy, Vidal Sassoon, and Herbal Essence, amongst others. Her passion is to help with business turnarounds, which is she's amazing at, and create brands for top-line growth and high margin profit. Olga is often described as a passionate visionary and key business partner, recognized with the Business Category Group's President's Award for her contributions to the business and by the R&D organization as an innovator and a catalyst, unleashing new thinking, inspiring training, multifunctional teams, nurturing impeccable collaboration and team dynamics, She's credited for consistently turning design into a business competitive advantage. I love that. We'll talk about that in a second. In integrating design into the organization by creating a well-articulated strategy and compelling vision and building the capability of operationalizing the strategy all the way through execution. Oh my God, that took me forever to read, but it's amazing. (laughs) Tell me all about you. What are you doing? How are you? How have you been? Oh, first of all, thank you for having me here. Looking forward to this therapy session. (laughs) I don't know where it's going to take us, but looking forward to it. No, everything is great. I am coming obviously out of of a little bit of vacation, which is wonderful. And every time I'm I'm surrounded by nature, I'm completely re-inspired again. You know, that's where beauty comes from. It's, It's all about that. And my mind just thrives with it. So just coming from it. Yes. So you and I worked together at Procter & Gamble and I got to know you a bit. You were a pretty incredible leader there. So tell us a little bit about your job at P&G before we go into these questions. So the job at P&G was always the design leader for a group of brands or representing a a business, a large business. I joined P&G after 
more than 20 years of working experience and actually in magazines and advertising agencies. Came to PNG, it was a total change of career, uh, super, super exciting. And I got into, I, I got sent uh, to Venezuela, your lovely country, which it was fascinating. I got to meet fabulous people. Uh, the energy was outstanding and the country was outstanding. And it gave me the opportunity not only to join a, an incredible company and, and uh, that I've not stopped learning from everybody, but then also to know better Latin America and the different, you know, the diversity within that, the different countries, which I loved. After that, I moved to Cincinnati. In there, I also represented the global haircare business with tremendous challenge, you know, with, with only two and a half years in PNG. So that was a big, big step for me. Yes. Fascinating. I, I had the pleasure to have an amazing boss again. I'm from there to the prestige business. I always wanted to come back to Europe and and I got the opportunity to lead prestige, the prestige beauty business, which was fascinating again, different complexity and challenges. And then back to her care again, but that time from, from Geneva. So always representing a group of brands, a global, regional, building the capability for those teams and, and obviously positioning design as a, as a business driver. Yes, I love that. And so important, such important work that you've done. So it wouldn't be a brand therapy session if we didn't talk about childhood. So tell me a story or a memory you have about your childhood and how it connects to what you do now or what you were doing. I have two stories, so I'll I'll, I'll try to to be very, very, very focused about the two of them. But one of them is that I'm truly the, the daughter of an engineer and an artist which I always say, if you knew what it is in my mind, you would be surprised. You know, it's all a mess, you know, because my left brain is always fighting with the right brain and going from one place to the other one. And if I, you know, naturally more right brain, you know, I spend it, the majority of my time trying to be in the left side of the brain to make sure that I made logical out of, out of the right one. So it's quite fascinating because I saw myself gravitating to need both. Yes. So I'm not a true artist, but I understand the business side of it, the logic part of it, etc. So it is after these many years, I realized how important that was in my life and that made me who I am right now. So that is a pretty characteristic that I think when I look at the work that I've done in, in PNG specifically, but it's literally the combination, if I may say so, of the right and the brain skills, which I, I loved. And I think that is made, made me truly, truly fulfilled in that sense. So it was not one or the other, but it was both. And then the other story is that since I was very little, I don't know why, but I was very attracted to brands. And, you know, I don't care if it is a spirit brand or is a beauty brand or is a detergent, but I, I don't know why I found them fascinating. And I collected merchandise and items since I was very, very little. And this is through a funny story. I was able to collect a Coca-Cola towel out of a roof in the middle of the south of Spain years ago. And actually, when I went to my house this summer and I said, I have to find it because I, I need to know that I have it. Stupid things like that. But I was literally in love with, with branding and, and the power that brands can have in, in society. So tell us where you're from. I'm originally from Spain, from a little town in the north of Spain called Oviedo. It's part of Asturias. And I lived there all my life until I was 24. I, I come from a very traditional family and my father had 
real trouble letting me go from the site. And because I think that it took me so long to do it when I decided to do it. I went all the way to New York City. So my poor father, you know, trying to hold me tight all his life, you know, I ended up in the other side of the world. But yeah, I'm from originally from Spain. Oh, I love that. So I love what you said about the left and the right brain. Yeah, I was teaching design thinking just a couple of weeks ago. And I tell my students like, okay, let's use a little bit more of the right brain. Let's try to use a little bit of the right brain so we can have a whole brain. I love Daniel Pink's book around the whole brain. And I think that's what you were talking about. It's so important to have both, not just one or the other, but it's important to have both sides. So tell me, I know people get very uneasy when I ask this question, but it's really your own interpretation of what is your personal fame story? Fame story. I'm just like, Okay. And it took me a long time to, <laughs> took me many years to find out. I think that I was in my forties when I learned that I was dyslexic. And then all of a sudden I understood so much about my life. But I think that within that quest and trying to understand if my brain worked one way or the other, I was very, very attracted to cognitive science, which is nothing more than understanding how the brain thinks, makes decisions. You store things in memory. How do you recall that? And I started partnering with a um, scientist in PNG, uh, Pete Foley, that literally, that was the change in, in my life. Now, my call to fame was that I was able to develop a methodology with Pete about how to integrate those learnings into brand building, anything from innovation to retail, to communication, to truly, truly brand building. And um, he invited me to have a talk about it in front of scientists. Wow. So I, I think that I'm I'm very naive in the point that I said, oh, yes, absolutely. I would love to. And then I meet all these men and, and women. And, and I was so taken aback because they, I was literally in the midst of, of really, really powerful minds and people that had done a lot of great things for humanity, understanding both the brain. But I can give you one example of a man that developed a, a therapy for autistic children, etc. So I was blown away. And I was in the moment, it's like, I'm not going to the podium. I'm like, I can't, what am I going to tell these people? You know, it was really humbling. So I did, and as everything that happens into this area, I'm tremendously passionate about it. So I went through it and I did it. And my call to fame is like being recognized by that community as something that they had never seen before and, and how they transmitted it and talked about it. It was it was truly one of the highlights, but it was it was quite humbling. I have to say it was very daring and on my side. That is beautiful. Wow. That's huge because I think just like in anything, right? When you get an engineer thinking like a designer or a designer thinking like a cognitive scientist, right? Other things come up and different ideas come up. And Hmm. so I think the way that you probably executed that was just mind blowing for them because they would have never imagined that they could take it to that mm-hmm. space, yeah. right? So, no, I was going to say uh, to be there. There was a, a big piece of magic in there. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but when I started working with Pete, all of a sudden I realized that a lot of the things he was talking about, I kind of knew or I had a point of view. So we developed this moment in which we said, okay, you know, we we were communicating through email a lot. And and obviously it was a very exciting conversation because both of us wrote very long emails and spent a lot of time into them and taking notes constantly. And one day we decided to meet, you know, sit down and that's it. And, And our objective is like, tell me anything you believe a designer needs to know. 
Mm-hmm. And he said, and tell me everything you think a scientist needs to know. So it was hours and hours of talking wow. about what we thought was right. And then a lot of listening and then a lot of debate. And then little by little, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But it was, I've never felt in my entire life so empowered, but also learned so much by taking somebody with a completely different brain and and knowledge and expertise and trying to bridge the two of them together. So it's exactly what you were mentioning right now, Kemilka. Yeah, I love that. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Well, I'd love to learn more about that later. But you are an expert in branding. So I want to ask you, what is your personal brand? It is, you know, it's a very difficult question, don't you? (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) It is a very difficult question. I think it has a little bit to do, if I want to describe it very, very shortly, is the science of art. Okay. So again, I go back into how important to me was to find the science behind anything we did, you know, in terms of design, art, and even in brand. Now, with that said, I think that I have three elements, you know, it's it's almost like an equation. And the first one is that for me, there is no compromise to mastery. So I will put that above everything else because I, it, to me, it takes no compromise. And I think that sometimes people compromise, you know, the, yeah. the art, the, 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 the design part of it, and I am not ready to do that. So I always tend to work with the best in the world because I know that, I, you know, I have to give my clients, in that case, the business, the best. The second one is that element that I talked about before is the science and art together. So the left and the right, but understanding how the brain works, it has been a real breakthrough in my career. So when you think about consumers, how they think of a brand or or how they make decisions or how the information that you put in front of them stays in memory and understanding the principles behind that, and then how to apply that to the brands. I don't think there are many people can do that. So that would be my, my biggie. And the third one is that I'm here to give value. So if I'm not giving value, I'm not there. And that applies directly to the business. So that's why I'm so keen and so passionate about turning brands around because I'm there to bring value. And I, and I have a, you know, that's when you put the business hat and I, I love that. So I think that you find a lot of artists and designers in the world that maybe don't have that passion for the business. You may find a lot of people with passion with the business, but not that passion for the art. And then the combination of the three, you know, so call it the science in between is what I believe makes me unique. I love that. Wow. We will definitely need to talk more more about this. Okay. So let me ask you this. What is going into a different direction? What is your greatest fear? What I said before, not to be of value. And I don't care if it is for humanity which is something that I'm working on right now, that's something that I'm taking very, very seriously. How to use what I've learned or my experiences or what I'm good at to the best of humanity and society. That is my biggest fear that I go through my life without giving that value back or, you know, to that matter, to the people that I work, to the people that I live with, my family, the people that I love. I would hate to pass through life without giving value to others. That's my biggest fear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So in that rain, tell me a moment where you were holding yourself back. There are many, to be honest. And I I think I always say I'm my worst enemy. And literally with all honesty and and I'm very transparent about my life, but P&G and and, and some of the companies that I work with and the people that I work with are tremendously smart. And there are some times in which you're sitting in a room and you don't don't dare to open your mouth because you, you, you hold yourself back. 
because you don't you don't want to make an idiot out of yourself. And and there are a lot of times in which I held myself back. But I think that I with time I learned how to go around it. And that meant that maybe I would not say it at that moment, but I would find a way either by email or by requesting another meeting or saying, hey, I didn't say this in the meeting because X, but I think X, Y, and Z. And then what do you think? And should I take it farther? And then to be honest, I had some bosses that would say, you know what? You come back to the meeting and you talk about it. So that was fair. But at least I knew that I had that space or I, it's almost like I released the fear. And in some other cases, they said, well, that's a bit too much and let me handle that. And, and that was okay too. Going back to the story, I think that I'm my worst enemy. And that's why, you know, I hold myself back more than myself than anything else. Yeah, I can see that. I can see why that would be. But I, I love that you didn't hold yourself back so much that you were able to even confide in somebody and talking about confiding in people we all have mentors that help us get to where we are and to where we're going. So tell me, you know, about one mentor or somebody you remember that really helped you, whether it was personal or business. I have many, but I'll tell you one story that to me was life-changing. When, as I said before, I'm from Spain, went to New York to do a master's and I was literally working full-time in an agency, but also studying my master's at night because I wanted to really, you know, take one step, learn more. I think that I felt I was too young to stay plateau or just continue with the, the career that I had at that time. And remember the last day of, of the master's, you know, you have to do a show of all your work and then you have a panel of the faculty and you have to explain your work and whatever. And, and I was always very concerned about my accent Obviously, English being my second language, that was always a time in which I was very, very nervous. And the dean of the school, Don um, Arief, you know, came to me and in front of everybody and he said, have you ever thought about teaching? And I said, teaching what? He said, would you think about teaching in the master's here at Pratt? And I said, but English is my second language. I think that the students will have a problem with me because I cannot express myself. And he said, I totally understand everything you're saying. I'm just asking you if you want to do that. And he said, well, just think about it and come back to me in a week or whatever. So I was like, you know, they, it is when somebody trusts you in a way that you don't even trust yourself. Yeah. Uh, and and that was, you know, did he become a confident? No, but he became a person that I knew I will always have on my side. And, and the fact that he made the room so, so big for me uh, and trusted me so much, that's what I found tremendously liberating in terms of how much allowed me to grow. Now, I have to say that's exactly what I found in the in other mentors that had an impact in my life, exactly the same thing, that element of humanity, the fact that they trusted me more than I trusted myself. And then the, the other is that they would come with a problem and, and I was there to bring the solution and they always gave me the space to it. So it, it is every single person that I consider a mentor um, and a friend. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. And we need them so much because sometimes Absolutely. we just need some advice or some way of thinking things differently. And, and I think a lot of us, especially us women, like to solve our own problems. And so getting a perspective from somebody else is super critical and important. So tell me, what has been your biggest challenge in life? Like it doesn't have to be work related, but it can be. What would you say was one of your biggest challenges? Growing with dyslexia without knowing it. Now that I know it's easier. So, you know, obviously I had a time in which I had to wrestle with it, whatever. 
But that was a tremendous challenge. I think that uh, when you know you, what you have and you learn about what it is and you learn about the positives as much as the negative, you know, when you grow through it, you, you think everything is a negative. So there, there is something always that is different to the others. In my opinion, that was very tough. Now, I had these conversations before, and, and in many cases, what becomes such a difficulty becomes your biggest gift, you know, in the yes. future. But it takes years to realize. So <laughs> the, it, that has been my, my biggest challenge. And, you know, I, I was reading a book and I remember what the book is, but they were talking about different people and how they were bigger than life and great individuals. And a lot of them struggle through different learning disabilities. And one of them had dyslexia and they, they were talking about it. I always thought I also had it because I don't, I've never been tested or anything, but I turn words around. Sometimes I just don't see things the way that everybody else, my husband would tease me about things and I would get really angry at him because I'm like, why are you making me look so bad? <laughs> but you learn to use that, as you said, as your gift, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it is a gift and we just have to learn how we can put more power into it. And I think that's what makes us the individuals, different individuals in the world. And it makes us super unique. So I think the challenges that we go through sometimes make us uh, an individual that anything is possible, right? If you can survive that, anything, anything, you can survive anything. So let me ask you, what are the lessons learned in your life? Personally and professionally, I think that you cannot do anything alone. Mm-hmm. And I can be a little bit of a loner because I have a very high capacity for work because, again, dyslexia teaches you, <laughs> you that you have to work a, a bit harder than others to get somewhere. That is definitely one that you need more people. Okay. And, and I learned that and I learned that the, the good way because I also love it. So it's not that I didn't want to, but I love it. The other one is that the positive attitude is everything. I think I'm both, you know, there are times in which I'm the most positive. You put the biggest challenges in front of me and I go through it. And it's almost like, I don't even think about the walls that I have in front of me. I just take the step towards it. So that's great, you know, and, and it's, it's very powerful. And I know that. But some other times it's like, you know, it's like the, the wall collapses and I don't want to move and, and stuff like that. So the fact that in those moments, if you just can add a little bit of, you know, thinking back or, or, or stepping back, sorry, and, and thinking through a little bit more holistically and not about that little problem, you know, can really change the, the big outlook, uh, outlook in life and also at work. That to me, that was a big, big lesson. And the other one is that principles is everything. So I moved through life, I think, with very strong values and principles without knowing what they were or articulated. But once I get again to PNG and I discover the, the power of it, it's very, very easy to work with others when you assume that everybody's playing towards the same principles. And it gets very easy and extremely uh, powerful. So the, the power of principles is something that I learned through work, but it is everything in life. Yeah, because, you know, if you hear, you feel a different principle coming on, you can really set your boundaries. And that's really important because if you don't do that, then sometimes you go in a different direction and then you wonder how you got there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really critical to follow your instincts and be tied to your principles and what you will and will not do. To me, it was extremely powerful in PNG, the fact that 
the principles were very clear. We all live by yes. them. And then in problems of conflict, in, in times of conflict or in times of solving big issues, it was not that difficult when everybody aligned to the same principles and values. Yeah. That it is very powerful. Very clear. And that's that's culture, right? That's what culture does for you. If you understand the principles of the culture and the values of the culture, any problem can be solved. Those things aren't clear is when conflict and disaster kind of starts to set in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but if you're really clear on those and you follow those religiously, that there shouldn't be any issues because everybody should be aligned around what that is. And Absolutely. I think I, I found myself even when I worked at Proctor, what was great is it didn't matter if I was in China and South America, everybody knew just underlying that you came from the same values and principles because you could work together quickly and fast and get to a place. It's because the culture is so ingrained that it's easy to move around. Even though if you don't know the team or you don't know the person, you can very quickly have an impact mm-hmm. and have a, a way to move through that. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's a great, great learning. So let me ask you, what's next for Olga? What's going on? I know you left Procter & Gamble a few years ago and you're kind of taking some time. I know you're working on something, but where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years from now? First of all, I like challenges. I, I don't know why. Okay. And when I find myself stagnant, I die emotionally, whatever you want to call it, or spiritually, you know, I need, I need my challenges. And if I do the same thing over and over and over, I get bored. One of the things I've never done is, is to do something on my own. And I wanted to put, as I, as I mentioned before, you know, the, the, my experience or, you know, what I learned in life into other things. So I'm working on three different things right now. Of course uh, of course, three. But, but but I find it really exciting because I never get bored. You know, when I'm tired of one or one gets stuck, you know, I move to the other one and then I get a lot of energy and then I get another idea about the other one. So it's the typical way this, this framework. brain works. Exactly, this one. But one of it, as I mentioned, is to put all of that in the service of humanity. So I'm working in a project that if if it goes through, you know, is is is, is to help refugee children around the world. And I don't want to make it in a small scale. I want to make it in a big scale. And it includes obviously things that are part of my expertise, but also, you know, working with companies to try to make it a big, big thing, because there is a lot of power into companies that have a, you know, name in the world. So I'm I'm working on that and I'm tremendously excited. If I only do that for the rest of my life, I would be tremendously fulfilled. So that, that is one. The other one is that I'm developing a product and it's, it's an application. I believe in, in knowledge and I think it's, it has a lot to do with, again, you know, it was so difficult for me to learn that learning became one of the most important areas of my personal and professional life. And I'm constantly hungry to learn. And that's what is always giving me the opportunity to connect the dots. And, and you know, you go back into what creativity is, but but it, but it happens. So I'm working in an application that enables for people to be, to innovate. Okay, and it's about giving people information and also enabling to connect the dots, uh, creating the collaboration spaces for them to work. So that's that's the other big one. So it's develop my own product, my own brand, and working in something for for humanity that can help. Uh, I, I just think the problem right now with refugees yes. in the world is huge. 
And if we can only give these children the education they need, you know, to then go on their own, I, I think we would do something good for humanity. Otherwise, we, we keep going backwards. So it is is one of these problems that keep me up at night, and and that if I I'm ready to put everything into it, to be honest. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So tell us. Where can we find you if people want to get to know your projects a little bit more or how do they can get back or just to see you? Where are you? Where can they find you? Literally in, in LinkedIn to me is, is the best one. I don't use Facebook much. I, I use Instagram a lot, but it's mostly because I'm constantly getting information. So I follow oh, oof, yeah. a tremendous amount of... You do it for research. Instagram is research for you. <laughs> exactly. For me, for me, it's a, a constant element of inspiration and, and learning, funny enough. But it, through LinkedIn, I'm also still active in the, in, you know, as a, as a speaker. So I do a lot of conferences to talk about a cognitive science applied to social media or to, to innovation, et cetera. So I, I've been doing that for the last eight to 10 years. And I continue to, you know, the last one I just did in, in Croatia a couple of months ago. So that's the other one, but I'm I'm not very active in LinkedIn uh, to say yet, but that's the place to find me. Okay, great. So if they want to invite you to a speaking engagement, that's where they can find you and ask you about it. Cause that Absolutely. would be so fascinating, this cognitive understanding and knowledge. It helps everyone, right? That's why I use psychology in a lot of my theories and platforms and what I, the methods, because it really helps people ground themselves in something that's human right? We're all humans, not aliens. So it's really designed for humanity. Like you said, I love that. Coxi has elements of neuroscience. So really, you know, the physical parts of the brain and how it connects, et cetera. Anthropology. So, you know, how the human brains ended up being, you know, it's all a matter of survival. So there are a lot of things that our brains make decisions immediately just because we had to survive. And therefore that's the way the brain works. And the other one is psychology. So indeed. Yes, I love it. Well, Olga, thank you. Thank you so so much. I know it's been kind of difficult to grab you and catch you and have you on this show, but I'm so happy that we connected. We've known each other for so many years. I'm so happy for you. It looks like you have a wonderful future and what you want in this world. And I can't wait to hear more and maybe have you back when you're doing some amazing stuff that we get to know a little bit more about. So thank you. So much for being on the Brown Therapist. Thank you, Jamaica. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to see you. Wishing you all success in, in, in the world. And hopefully I could be of value. So thank you, Jamaica. Thank you for listening to the Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening.